I love a challenge. I love being scared. I love creatively being scared. I love, I love that. Um, so I love reaching in and touching these worlds I've never touched before and saying, damn, I hope I can pull it off. It's great. I get to actually, I get paid to touch these worlds and experience these worlds and it's fun, it's exciting. And then I give all that information to my actors. So it's, it's a great shorthand. I don't, I don't know how many directors actually do it. A lot of guys talk about doing it, but they don't give the time to do it. Um, and I give the time to do it because I love doing it. And I give that to my, I give that, those, that, those worlds to my actors, the world I touch through my characters, you know. And, uh, and so that stylistically, I, I'm, I'm always dictated to by the world I'm touching. So, you know, when I did Domino, you know, Domino was um, all the bounty hunters I met were on speed. So Domino, the whole movie, like it's on speed, it's on crystal meth, it's all like that. You know, so, um, so that was style is dictated to by, by character or by the world I'm touching. And uh, that's why I like to touch, you know, touch those worlds in different ways. I think I'm a fear addict, <laughs> fear junkie, fear, fear of failure, and it's, and it's fear of failure, creative failure, you know, so, and creative failure in my mind, you know, um, and I get hammered by the press, I get killed by the press, they destroy me. You know, so ever since The Hunger, my first movie, which has now become a cult movie, I got slagged off on The, on the Hunger, and I couldn't get arrested. Hollywood did the same. England destroyed me, um, Hollywood destroyed me. And it took me four more years to get another movie, you know, which was Top Gun. And Don Simpson was actually, he was channel surfing. Don and Jerry were partners then. Was channel surfing at like 3 a.m. in the morning. He saw The Hunger came up. He said, hmm, maybe, we'll, maybe this guy knows what he's doing. You know, and I'd actually done a commercial for Saab, which is a jet chasing a car. So I was the only guy that actually shot jets as well. And the combination of he thought he knew what he was doing with The Hunger. And jets, I got the movie. <laughs> Creatively, you know, I've been a... I started my life off as a painter. I spent eight years in art school painting. And, um, and I still think like a painting, a director, directing is very similar, actually. It's all about making choices. Well, it's very similar. The process is, hasn't changed. And the studios hate to hear that when you say, I still think like a painter, and then you're doing a $100 million movie. <laughs>
there is enough Tony to go around. <laughs> like it's all good. Everyone's everyone's a bigger. It yeah, should be the big tennis golf fan. <laughs> they all should be. They should be. If this Absolutely. podcast has shown nothing else, that people should appreciate Tony Scott more. I think so. Um, I, so yeah, this is crazy that we're here at the last one. Like I said, it's been going on for like a year and a half. Sixteen episodes. Um, and it's unstoppable. And I hope I just realized. I hope when I said <laughs> unscottable, I didn't say unstoppable. But now I don't know. <laughs> it would people would understand it. It's the namesake episode. It was bound to happen at one point. Yeah, I love the namesake. We finally catch up with the namesake yeah. episode. Um, okay, so to, to begin now, where to begin? Um, uh, so unstoppable. I will. I guess I'll start because uh, let's jump right in here and say that and I was telling James a little before we even started that this is a movie that I saw I don't know like almost 10 years ago uh missed in the theaters um and didn't really I saw on DVD and just didn't really appreciate it very much I kind of just shrugged and was like eh (laughs) which is and I watched it once or twice since uh there was an episode of a podcast called rewatchables with Quentin Tarantino where he like talked up on Scottable or uh, God, let's see, I'm doing it already. Oh God, we lost Mark. <laughs> I was hoping, I'm going to tell you behind the curtain. Mark was having oh, difficulties. This is not my fault. Last time I think it was my fault with deja vu. This yeah. time I think Mark's having issues. Um, it's funny. It's almost like maybe now he's having the exact same issues you had before. Maybe. I mean, my computer was on its last legs. I don't know if that's yeah. his computer, but it could not hold a Zoom call. Um, we might need to charge along without Mark. I don't know, but um, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him to rejoin if he can. Listen, it's all, it's called unstoppable. We can't, I stop. know. We're going <laughs> to keep going. Um, so yeah, we don't stop. I'm going to tell him to get back in if he can. So this is great. This is how the podcast is. Yes. <laughs> it just falls apart. And James is on a limited time schedule. We won't know, but he's got somewhere to be. But um, uh, anyway, back to unstoppable. <laughs> um, <laughs> a movie that I love more every time that I watch it. Um, I do think in hindsight, it becomes more spectacular because it, 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 it the lot of stuff in the, the Tony Scott book I've read too about how this was really one of the last gasps, last breaths of this kind of movie done with a lot of practical effects, costs a lot of money, logistically very tough. Um, there's so much stuff in Unstoppable that is done practically, not with CGI, which I think makes me like it more and more. Um, yeah. And just kind of more amazed that they pulled it off uh, and so i i was telling you i really love this movie now before a few years ago i've been like it's good now i love it um and yeah i'm just curious on your thoughts if you saw it in the theater you caught it later uh i also caught it later and i you know i'm coming to realize that i i'm trying to think of the, whether or not i actually saw any of his movies in the theater which is kind of weird uh but i, I like none of them are popping out that I did. So that's, that's just a little side note. <laughs> they were all caught after the fact. Um, yeah, no, I, I, again, watched it randomly. Another one that I didn't even come to really when it came out, I kind of just thought, oh, run of the mill. This is unstoppable. You know, <laughs> I just caught up with it later. And again, like in the last few years, really only watched it for the first time. So it was a late find for me, and and I, I I liked it on first watch. I didn't love it as much as I do now, as we keep seeing happen again and again. Like the rewatchability is so high, and I keep rewatching all these movies, and I just they go up and up. Like none of them go down ever hardly. It seems like they're always just getting higher and higher in my estimation every time I watch them. And this is one that's really moves up every time. I'm, it's great. Yeah, I think I almost put it in the category of like, oh, this is like a dad movie that you catch on TNT on the Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and like, sure. I mean, and I guess sure. in a way it kind of is. I mean, but does it really detract from how good it is or how well made it is? Like, um, and just, yeah, I'm just, I think, I, and that's, a bit, that's kind of been the whole thing with Tony Scott, this whole series, I realized I appreciate his style of filmmaking so much more because it doesn't seem to exist as much anymore. You know, it's like, even in the book too, it mentions the only guys that are even modern comparables to Tony Scott that are still kind of working regularly are like Antoine Fuqua, who even works with Denzel pretty regularly, but he's making like mid-budget action movies. Um, he, right. uh, Michael Bay, obviously. And I think uh, 
Michael Bay now, <laughs> like the well, ambulance is my only example, but like he's really finally found that like empathy that I feel like he was lacking for a long time. Like, because I feel like Tony always had like a real like empathy to a lot of his movies. There was that like real dark period in the early 90s with Revenge and Last Boy Scout and even like a little <laughs> bit of true romance, but he kind of comes out of it because he wants him to live with true romance and all that. But like, um, I mean, yeah, because I think uh, like Ambulance came out, everybody was like, oh my God, this is like, could have been a lost, it could have been a Tony Scott movie, you know? And I really, I do believe that. Um, so we, but we don't have a lot of guys who are doing what Tony did. And this movie is like further proof of that. And it's kind of been the whole series up to this point. It's like, you know, this just doesn't, I feel like an old man when I say stuff, like they don't, they don't make them like they used to, but it's, yeah. uh, they were barely even doing it in 2010 when he made this movie. The, the studio, I'm sure you probably read this too, like yeah. wanted all these concessions and the budget was much lower. They asked Denzel and Tony to cut their salaries. I love the fact that, um, what I love it, but I'm glad that, that Tony took the, the pay cut to make the movie. Denzel and his agent were like, no, nope. you basically like it's Denzel <laughs> Washington, which I mean, rightfully so. He's Denzel Washington, and they want to take like this massive pay cut. And he's still a huge star. I mean, now he's even still a huge star. Ten years ago, uh, twelve years ago, and finally they got him back though. Like I was, I was reading that. I never heard that before. That he almost walked away from the movie. Yeah, um, I didn't know that either. <laughs> and I was like so glad that he came back because uh, I can't really imagine. It's funny because I was talking about Tony too, also being perfectly cast, and I can't imagine anybody in this movie not being played by the actor they're played by. <laughs> Yeah, like and yeah Denzel's so good in this but um sorry I'm talking a lot but yeah so oh, it's, it's a lot to talk about there is <laughs> it's a lot to talk about but um but yeah I don't know about you just I love how like tactile this movie feels and there's real trains and like there's barely any CGI I know we use a little bit to like touch some stuff up or just do things that were literally impossible like when the train takes that giant curve and comes off the tracks Yes. on one side you couldn't really do that safely practically so understandable but yeah most of it done there is insane really when you think about it right yeah and I, I, again i listened to the commentary i watched it yeah. then watched yeah. it with the commentary <laughs> then watched it with the production note commentary like went crazy again again i i have yet to decide whether or not that actually helps me at all i think it just makes it worse honestly because then i just got too much work <laughs> in my head and i can't even talk about it but yeah, he mentioned the CGI, like the, the only full CG moment in the movie was when all the fuel tanks go off the side of the train during yeah. that turn, mm -hmm. but that the train itself was real, but they did digitally and, you know, to where, when it's tilted off the tracks, it's actually flat, it's going through the track, but they digitally enhanced it to make it look like it was leaning around that curve off. So that's really the only stuff. Cause he even mentions in regard to cg like not wanting to use like cg smoke and whatnot stuff like that because he had used a little bit in pelham and you know just didn't have a good experience with it because he still could notice you know and just didn't like the way that even in those little things it's almost like you're drawn more to the, yeah. the thickness <laughs> of the smoke and the fire and stuff than anything else so yeah it's good that he was able to use so much real you know location and actual practical effects yeah, actual yeah i mean yes. uh i mean it was it sounds like a logistical nightmare and i think tony yeah. said at one point it was the hardest movie he'd had to make from a technical standpoint i can believe it because he's got helicopters flying around mm -hmm. uh he's got all these trains going they had to block off all this track and get and get railroad actual railroads that they could use for like a month or so um you know just so many things going on from a shooting perspective <laughs> like um but I mean, it pays off because, again, I appreciate it more because I look at it and go, they did so much of the stuff like um, stunt guys actually jumping from trains <laughs> onto cars yeah, like um, it's crazy. Um, also, I should mention and because I got to tell you that uh, Mark messaged me and said he's not coming back. His computer basically seems like it is <sighs> dead as a doornail. So the okay. pressure's on us. So we got to I don't oh, want to no, rush OK. But I know you got like we're about to do this fast. <laughs> who wants the speed version? This is the unstoppable yeah, it, version of the podcast. Yeah. I won't cut that out keep either. Going. So you can keep going all. after I leave if you need to. I'll just talk by myself. <laughs> no, no. I think we can because the movie itself, I think, is very straightforward. We talked about like it is the stakes are given to you very clearly, very quickly. The movie is going by minute ten. I love that about the movie. That like minute ten, the train has gotten off on its own. <laughs> like, and I'm like, holy shit, we are into it. Um I love that. I know about you, but I love how it just gets into it so quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it's got to really, because I mean, the movie's only an hour and like 30 Something. minutes, right? Yeah. Like if you take out the credits 
and that's like man it's non-stop moving like that pace is perfect from the get-go and during that script commentary or the like with the production note commentary they kind mm-hmm. of talk about that it's it's just so cool to hear them like i'm glad he had he had this one on domino too where he has he recorded all his production meetings and whatnot with his oh, uh, script yeah, writers yeah. and producers and stuff and and it's it's just so like good to hear them like discussing the script and like they'll be like oh well we can change this and like you're realizing that this was written where they're not moving or they're not doing this and this isn't happening but hey let's speed up the pace and have this now taking place while this train is moving and this discussion now take place inside the cab you know just little things like that that they're written one way and then you can just make it move even better but you Mm -hmm. have to talk about you know you don't even think about it when you're writing it necessarily because you're like oh this is great whatever but then as you're going like oh this actually needs to move a little quicker let's get this going and it just makes it even more exciting like you said you're already just into it and you're going yeah we meet chris pine in like two minutes and see him like living with his brother and trying to talk to his i guess not ex-wife but estranged wife and see his kid you get that all that very quickly uh he meets denzel brother sorry his brother jeff wincott oh brother of michael wincott oh my god (laughs) I did not even realize that. I, got the yeah. I love I love Michael Wincott. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I did not know that. I know everyone does, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I love and, Jeff Wincott too. Sorry, no offense, Jeff. No offense, Jeff Wincott, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we get all that really quickly. You understand what's going on. He meets Denzel. You get the whole dynamic very quickly of like, okay, I'm Denzel's the older, experienced guy who's doesn't like these new guys coming in. Nepotism possibly with Chris mm-hmm. Pine, and he, it's just young and old. It's very simple. Um, meet rosario dawson very quickly uh and you get the sense that she's good at just running stuff and taking no shit <laughs> because yeah. i mean after the plane or the, the plane the train has gotten loose like she finds out and then it's just like it's kind of busy and, and things keep escalating it's like mm-hmm. it's like i love that the stakes are getting raised where it's like okay a train's gone that's not bad it's a coaster oh no it's not a coaster because Right. The throttle has been pushed down. It's not like going six miles an hour. It's going to get faster and faster. There's a train full of children coming the other way in a train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's, we find out the friggin' train is carrying a bunch of deadly chemicals. Uh, we get that great line. That I remember, I remember distinctly from the trailer that was like the button. I feel like where Rosario Dawson has to yell the line about like, it's a missile the size of the freaking Chrysler building. <laughs> 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 um, but in the state, you know, it all works. I think the only fun of it <laughs> in the trailer, but um but it works and you know you get the stakes very quickly about like yeah. big train moving really fast carrying dangerous stuff going through populated areas a beast we can't a beast and i oh my god how tony underlays those those like monster or animal yeah, sound growls effects of growls on a train and this time i noticed it like i think so much more than i had before and was like that's such a good uh, a good touch and i know he he refers to it as like the beast in the commentary <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah. and does the thing where it's, it's a whole nother character in the movie which i mean sometimes people say that it's kind of corny or silly we joked about that with like new york's another character in, in right, yeah. Yeah. one two three but like but no the train is really like another character i like how it's bright red it has these animal growls underneath it it's like it comes through like like this monster tearing through everything and they just cannot stop it no matter what they do um, yeah, it's like you, Jaws. I mean, another Jaws movie. Kind of, I mean, I mean, in a, no, in a yeah, way, it even starts with it. Like, you know, that I love that opening. Like, it, it starts with the train, like coming to life. You know, like that's the <laughs> shot. Of the train just sitting there. <laughs> that's the beginning, man. You're already yeah. going. You're even going before <laughs> you said we were going. I know we're really just from minute one. It's one of. I mean, it's really one of Tony's like tightest movies, honestly. Like with the the runtime is already short, but not even just the runtime, the pace of it and how fast you get into everything and. Um, yeah when you said like you know things keep escalating there's literally like you know oh that happens well then they dodge this they dodge that it hits this hits that they try to stop it this doesn't work that doesn't you know there's just, it just keeps going and going and right. going oh now and then at one point it might go through this big curve and fall off into a bunch of uh gas tanks it's like yeah. it's yeah. like it's just like a it, things keep getting worse and worse and the stakes getting raised um uh i mean there's a whole part where they try to derail it um but it was another train basically or like mm-hmm. But then that poor guy gets derailed yes. and they really derailed a train, which is an insane, like that oh, would yeah, have yeah. 100% been done through CGI if that was done maybe even a few years later. Um, I, I think he had a fight with them to get that, I read, or he said in the commentary, I think, somewhere where he had to, um, he had to really fight to 
like to really derail a train because they were like, can you just not do this? And he and they derailed an actual train and apparently it all went perfectly. So that was good. And it looks great. Yeah, it looks yeah, yeah, it did. And there's it's on some of the special features. They have a whole little segment about that and they show every little bit of it. It's pretty it's just it's crazy that they were able to pull all that off, honestly. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I uh um and yeah, just apparently also I saw this was one of the few Tony Scott movies I can think of that was nominated for an Oscar for sound editing. Speaking oh, of the sound yeah. for for that train, um, just yep. yeah, again, from a technical standpoint, everything is so good. And this feels like it kind of like I could point this example like this really marries like Tony's like style, like he could make a blockbuster, but then he had his own unique, unique way of doing it. I feel like it, it's his blockbuster abilities meeting like how good he was as a technician and a stylist kind of coming together. Cause it's a very, it's not like so wild, like Domino or anything like that. It's, you know, it's, it's much more, you can take your mom and dad to see this one. They'd be like, Oh, yeah. what a, what a fun movie, yeah. exactly. you know? And so it's, it's a crowd pleaser, but still doesn't lose his touch of like, just how he does things. I feel like, yeah. like if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that that's like literally exactly what I had written down right here. I oh. have unstoppable <laughs> is the perfect storm of all Tony's sensibilities mashed up into one of the most crowd pleasing movie experiences possible. Wow. That's my perfect. Like, yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's, there you I, go. That's I much better. A blurb. I like that better than how I said it. So that's good. <laughs> no, you almost said the same thing. But like, that's, it's just, that's what comes out. Like, Oh, it's so good. Um, but I, you have notes. I feel like you're more organized than I am. So what stuff do you want to touch on? Because <laughs> I'm just oh, running through dude, stuff here. My notes are, they're just, gar it's just like blah, 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 just stuff all over the place, man. Uh, I don't even know where to start. You were talking about, you know, some of the story aspects, you know, it is pretty straightforward. You know, there's not like, you don't have to do any deep analysis. There's old guard, new guard, you know, the politics that come into play of that, you know, Denzel always poking it you know, Chris the whole time. And uh, it's funny, they actually talk about that a little bit in the commentary because they mention, and I don't know if anyone else would even really think about it too much, but that he's also, you know, like Denzel's not just being an ass to Chris Pine the whole time for shits and giggles. He's also doing it because we, which we don't learn till halfway through that he's already knows that he's been fired, right? Right, He's right. lost his job to these new up and coming, you know, people that are taking all the old guards jobs so he's kind of got like a thorn in his side already but we don't know that till later because we find out halfway through which right. is another <laughs> little like nice little moment in the movie where you're like oh that's totally, you know, Denzel's fired from this guy <laughs> talking to me he's about to risk his life to save this you know train and all it's just I don't know it, it, it's a good script too on top of that's that's the thing and it, it's the characters in the movie <laughs> the casting they play it so well their chemistry is so good like everything's so believable like even right. though you're watching this crazy stuff happen around it you're never taken out of it or I, I'm not you know I'm always like invested in it because they're just everyone's so good I mean I yeah I mean that helps when you have good actors if you if you don't have a lot of stuff written like for backstory or characterization but if you have good actors i just kind of buy it easier if that makes sense like if you just have really good actors to just kind of sell it and we're like okay i believe these people do these jobs every day and are these people um and that's i'm glad you mentioned denzel thing because i that's one thing about we're talking about how fast it moves and everything but it doles out information at really good times like it doesn't yeah. give you everything at once you don't know what's on the train if you haven't <laughs> seen the trailer obviously but if you if you just seen it you're right. going blind um every it's like at first okay a train's loose that's bad. Oh, it's going fast. That's even worse. Oh no, it's carrying chemicals. That's really bad. <laughs> it's going through populated areas. And the Denzel thing comes in so late. I've forgotten like how late that come. He drops like, oh, you fired me like 70 days ago. And I've got like yeah. 20 days left, like, you know, whatever it was mm -hmm. like his 90 day notice. And, and you're just like, oh, and then Chris Pine's whole thing about why is his wife not seeing him and what's going yeah. on. And like, um, that sold out pretty late. Um, I mean, they don't, it's funny because they, Chris Pine and Enzo Washington don't even get involved with the, the runaway train until fairly late in the movie. Like, is it 45 minutes or? I mean, I don't yeah, know. It's, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, pretty much like they're like aware of it all up until that point, but they're not actually partaking in any of right. the track. They mostly have to get out of its way at first. Like they get off on yes. this little sidetrack and that's when Denzel has the whole thing about like, I love when he's talking about ideas, like we go back and you know, there's like a little, it's like we grab it, grab by the tail and gun it yep. the other way. And all that comes up with a plan. Like 
they just get involved in the plot and they're not supposed to get involved. <laughs> like they're supposed to get out of the way. Yeah. And Denzel's like, let's go grab that train. And uh, um, I just, yeah, I just love. And then all the stuff, it's funny because it's again, Tony gets stuck with these a lot where it's like a movie with a lot of talking back and forth over phones or in control rooms. And he shoots it so ex- I feel like exciting. Like the camera's always moving. I don't know if you saw the behind the scenes thing where they, the, on the train with Chris Pine and Denzel Washington, they built like a platform for the camera to circle the kind of the, where the, where they sit, the cabin, I don't know what you call it on the train, like where they're, they're kind of sitting and it's got all windows. So there are these two guys talking in a train, but Tony's got this camera on the outside, just completely doing a uh, 360 circling the thing and shooting it that way. And the stuff in the control with Rosario Dawson, that's always moving. There's like some simple scene in office with Kevin Dunn on the phone and the camera just like swoops from right to left, you know, just like, again, I, Tony always moving that camera, which I appreciate because he makes things so much more exciting than, than they should be. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I, 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 it is like, you know, again, more control rooms, Rosario's in that control room the whole time. And yeah, you said the camera's moving like that. That's what he does. And I know some people could still say maybe it's a little much, but it is again, still a little subdued from normal, but it is constantly moving and it just, it makes it less boring, you know, and he knows that like, and I think he's willing to risk that, that, well, some people are going to not like that I'm moving this camera so much. Right. But I'd rather (laughs) have it a little more kinetic and exciting and risk losing a few people here and there than for him to like, you know, let go of that whole thing for himself. He's not going to not film it that way because he knows that he would rather see a little bit of movement than nothing I mean, and just static. Yeah, and I, mean, I think he's right for me, you know. But I, I think he's right. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's much so much more exciting than if he just like plopped the camera down and just, you know, cut back and forth between two people talking or just was, you know, it's like give it some momentum, you know, it's like give it something because I feel like he reads those scenes and it's like, how do I make this more exciting that, you know, that it, that it, uh, it is on the page, the page. So, um, yeah. cause I think the script is good. I know they kind of went back and forth with the script for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. it's based on a true story that happened in like 2001 and the guy who wrote it was started maybe Oh three Oh four. He started working on it. I can't remember. And it sat around for a while. Um, the budget was a problem for the studio. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I know Tony specifically told the writer to go back and add more, um, kind of human stuff with with i think with like kind of backstories for the guys um and just that kind yeah, of thing yeah and those those backstories ended up being like i guess the real life backstories of those guys so that's yeah, what yeah pulled in to make it which you know you say you, you don't even realize it but that probably helps so much to make them even more believable on top of the good actors playing them and then they've got these little nuances to their characters yeah i mean they're just at work and this crazy thing happens you know and it's like and uh i was like did michael mann direct this because it's just everyone being good at their jobs which is like the the ultimate michael mann thing i always joke about where it's like he just loves people really really good at their jobs and like denzel's like a guy who just knows like everything about being out there on the trains like he can tell you anything rosara dawson's really good at her job um yeah these are like the most excessive procedurals in the history of the world basically (laughs) Um, okay well, well tony scott's procedurals you know, like, right right yeah, more exciting <laughs> yeah. but just like, everyone's really good at their jobs uh and they uh i i gotta mention before you forget because i know we're kind of we got a little crunch for time but i i know mark would want to mention this that lou temple is like the unsung hero yeah. of the movie <laughs> as, oh yeah as uh ned. as ned who come, is it ned or ed I'm it's ned it's ned okay okay, okay. i think yeah um ned who comes in and saves a day at the end and again such a exciting sequence when like they're trying to stop the train and they're running out of road and it's like Denzel's on top of the train, which, mm-hmm. oh, Denzel did not want to do, by the way. <laughs> Denzel yeah. scared of heights. So it was like, it was like, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it. Um, and then Chris Piner would jump onto a truck and jump back onto a train. It's like such a good, good sequence where, yeah, again, you can see how much was done there on location. Um, and hard locations to fake too, because they shot us all like in the Rust Belt area of like Pennsylvania, um, which is a very unique looking area. Like I've only traveled through there a couple of times. I, yeah. I never lived there or anything like that, but like, um, you can't really fake that. I don't think anyone in California would also stand in for like, you know, Pennsylvania, like steel towns or anything like that. But, uh, um, yeah, just that. And how Lou Temple comes at the end with his truck and just saves the day <laughs> and they stop the train. But, um, I mean, it's just, I don't yeah, know. It's a hell of a meeting. Like he's in his little suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice little 
oh no he's great he's like he really i remember mark i think one saying like he's like the the unsung mvp of the movie and i'm like he's right he's time he really oh, yeah. he's he's awesome um he really is but uh <laughs> you know that's funny about the ending they actually discussed that too that's a that's a script like thing that they were working on back and forth like uh whether or not they were going to end it after the curve scene oh, uh-huh. after they got through that curve and didn't lose the train they were debating if that was they were like doing double climaxes kind of where oh we yeah, yeah. had this big moment but now we still have to stop the train like you know they get through the curve but the train's still going so the train's still actually going to do something at the end you know like then they were just debating how how to handle <laughs> that and they i mean i like the way they did it they actually talked about too uh it was possibly going to be will and frank had like swapped places on oh. who's what and denzel was going to be jumping back and forth between the truck and i wonder if part of that has to do with what you're saying like his fear of heights and maybe he just it was easier to just have you know, I, <laughs> there was something i can't remember where it was in the commentary there's a little like there's a cool little feature it's like maybe 10 15 minutes long where it's denzel and Rosario dawson and chris pine and tony scott sitting around in like chairs in front of like a railroad uh like in front of a, a car uh and yeah. and just kind of talking about stuff in the movie and i think denzel first was like why do I have to jump on all the trains? Why can't Chris jump on the trains? He's younger. And then, and then Tony's like, "Well, you could switch places, but you have to jump into a truck and all this stuff." And, and Zell was like, "All right, never mind. I'll I'll do the other thing." And like, and he's like, "I'll run on the top of the top." And he's wired in, and he does. They both did a lot of their own stunts, apparently. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that was up there for a long time. Apparently, those those train cars were rocking pretty hard because they were empty. So they were kind of like, I mean, he's wired in, but it still seems scary like uh, you know just being on a moving train i don't know how fast it was going at the time but like just shaking back and forth and you know all that and then like chris pine stunt double i know chris pine not do that just did the jump back and forth and it looked scary i think they said he messed it up mm-hmm. the first time or missed or something which sounds terrifying but he was okay but um yeah. but yeah i mean there's just so it's just so like exciting and has so much momentum and energy for the whole movie like it's never boring it never gives you a chance to like take a break really oh. um i mean there are some uh, scenes when denzel and chris pine are kind of talking getting to know each other but i mean that stuff's to me very interesting and i like both those guys so i'm fine watching them talk and again because the camera's moving it's not it's not like it's really you know boring or anything so uh but it's so many just high energy like these set pieces and it's so exciting it it just i just i yeah i really love this one more and more i think i mentioned with deja vu like that one went way up in my Tony Scott ranking. I think this one probably will too now because I just love more time I watch. <laughs> it's just so it's just so much fun. Yeah, it's I mean it's 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 smooth and it's such an easy watch. Like like I said, I've watched it three times now in the last week or whatever. And <laughs> I, I mean it's on in the background right now, and it 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 really is. It's it's just an easy watch and it's good. And you know I, you're talking about it's just going and going and going. All that camera movement too, kind of backtracking a bit, but like. Uh, it's also okay in this movie, like, because that's the point. Like, the movie's just moving, so the camera's right. just moving the whole time. You stop the camera. Some people might say, "Oh, let it breathe a bit" or whatever, but it's not that movie, you know. Like, this is just going, and the camera's going the whole time too. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, well, and we can we can come back to more unstoppable stuff, but I know your time is limited, so I do want to talk about some kind of post unstoppable stuff because that's uh okay I, we both read this tony scott book called tony scott a filmmaker on fire which was yes. a great book uh and everyone check it out yes i highly recommend it. i oh. think it's hopefully still available on amazon but <laughs> yeah there uh it always says there's like a low amount of copies but i think there's enough uh yeah i don't know anyway it's written by larry <laughs> yeah i out. gotta give larry taylor a shout out because um it's a great book, I think. And he really does love Tony Scott's work, too. So um, there's a whole yes. section right after Unscottable, or I've gotten Unscott, see how many did more time, <laughs> Unstoppable, where he talks <laughs> about how many projects Tony had on his plate right after uh, the movie. And it's just crazy how much he still had going on or lined up to potentially go on. I mean, in Hollywood, a lot of things kind of come and go project-wise, but um, I just want to read some of these. So the one thing that seemed like it really was going to happen and of course, we talked uh, superhero movies were kind of in full swing now. Um, Iron Man 2 would come out uh, the same year as uh, Unstoppable. And there's a Mark Miller uh, graphic novel called Nemesis, which is basically, I think it was described as like the, <laughs> the uh, it's the story of Batman basically, but in reverse. It's a different, it's a guy who's a rich guy, but his parents right. were villains. His parents get killed. 
he becomes like a super terrorist or something. And it has these yeah. insane set piece. I can't imagine they could have pulled these off. Like attack, like killing people at the Pentagon with a gas attack, hijacking Air Force One and crashing into people in DC, holding the president hostage. Like it sounds insane. Right. Like it yeah, sounds that, like. <laughs> yeah, that's where I start to think that like, yeah, I mean, even him agreeing to do that, I, I think he's still agreeing to do it in his own thinking he's going to be able to do so much with real, you know, like practical. Right. I, I was thinking that I, too. I don't think he would have gotten to do that. And I think he would have been pleading. Honestly, that's right. just my, I, that, my I agree. Idea. I agree. That project had seemed like had a lot of steam though. Um, because yeah. then yeah, he I, I imagine him trying to do it practically, but I'm like, you have to do half of this stuff like CGI at least. I mean, yeah. it just sounds so insane. But I mean, again, if he'd been the superhero John, it would have been interesting. But um For sure. there was some other projects really quick. There's one called The Associate, which is a John Grisham novel starring Shia LaBeouf. Another possibility is one called Hell's Angels, which is a crime drama. Shia LaBeouf was also attached to, along with Mickey Rourke. Um, the third one that he mentions was called Potts, Potsdamer Plots. I don't, <laughs> I think I'm saying it really weird. And uh, it's a New Jersey organized crime thriller, also Mickey Rourke, who was very hot again after um, The Wrestler. Um, of course, the Top Gun sequel is like really big in here. And it sounds like from what he wrote in the book, the Top Gun sequel was, I mean, that really was about to happen. Um, like yeah. they were, I think I mentioned this before that they were like scouting locations. He literally had lunch or something with Tom Cruise like two days before he committed suicide. So yes. that was like, it, and they were still talking about Top Gun 2 because I guess Paramount was trying to like green light that quickly. Yeah, um, it was Top Gun 2 and the Wild Bunch. Uh, yeah, that's I, I reimagining. Sorry, reimagining. Yeah, they were, he was possibly remaking The Warriors, which would have been in yes. LA with thousands of people, which would have been insane. Uh, mm -hmm. And The Wild Bunch, written by Brian Helgelin, who did. Man on Fire, of course, yep. um, in Pelham. Um, and yeah, and so he had, oh, one called Narco Sub. I forgot about that. Narco Sub was by who? I can't find it. Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was CIA. one more, too. Uh, inside so, Man, or not Inside Man, but... Uh, something like that. There's so many. I mean, but yeah, Top Gun 2 really, all those products were kind of coming and going. Apparently, I was reading the trade papers, had trouble keeping up with what he was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it is, so we, but... Uh, Top Gun 2, yeah, or sorry, I cut you. Um, and, like, I, I know it, it mentions that Brian Helgeland had written like 40 something pages of the Wild Bunch script already, so those two were big into like actually going forward, right? Like, met with Tom Cruise, Brian Helgeland's 40 pages into the script of the Wild Bunch, and then you know, he commits suicide. Right. It's, it's just, it is, it's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, again, I really, we have to touch on this, you know, if we want to, but it's like this, this episode will be coming out on August 19th, uh, which is literally 10 years to the day that uh, Tony Scott committed suicide. If people don't yes. know, he jumped off the, it's called the Vincent Thomas Bridge in LA. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, it's one of those things where it's like, we have to talk about, but it's like, I don't want to dwell on it too much. because The whole thing, I, I feel like it's been a celebration of his life. and. Yep. I mean, the weird thing we talk about is just, I mean, we were talking before we started recording, but like there's so many, there were so many different stories or there was so much, there was not clarity on what happened. And I'd heard the story for years and up until recently, I never heard disputed that like, that he had like a terminal form of brain cancer and committed suicide. But then right. I just heard recently that, that, that may or may not be true. And I mean, they did an autopsy and didn't find anything like that. So that's very confusing. And um, and I don't know, there was, that was a, a rumor where he's like someone close to the family allegedly said that he had brain cancer and that would have been why he killed himself, but there's not really any evidence of that. And it's really weird. And, um, the only thing I did from the book that was helpful, uh, was that he had a sleep medicine in his system at the time and an antidepressant, but neither one was like a, like a right, level both, amount, it was like normal level, dosage, yeah, yeah, prescription level doses. and. Either. It's just, I mean, it breaks my heart. And I just don't understand, like, yeah, I, even the author and everyone's like, don't try to make sense of it because you can't. And it doesn't make sense sometimes, like, because he's got a beautiful wife. He's got two young sons. He's got a, a very beloved guy, lots of friends and family. Has We just read many, many projects in the works. Like, it's not like his career was over. Um, and then he just. Uh, he was only 68. I mean, that that's, he was 68 years old, like. You think about all these directors who are in 80s now, you know, like they're right. still Ridley, his brother. Like, I mean, 
still directing. Yeah, Scorsese and Cronenberg are still like, right? like yeah. it was early. I mean, you want to say it's early, like it's middle of his career. It's not even it's. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, he might have, uh, you know, I mean, again, Ridley Scott's still going at like early '80s, and like Scorsese and like I said, Cronenberg. Um, I mean, I, it's just, it's, and it, oh, everything I've ever read about him is like, he had so much energy. Everyone says he had so much energy and so much life. And um, it sounds like he never really even slowed down. It's not like people say like, oh, I noticed he was a little slower on Unstoppable. It's like, you never, you don't hear no. that. It's just like, no, he was still like, go, go, go. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just one of those things, you know, and if someone is suffering from depression, then if you have one bad day, that's it or one bad moment even you know and it's just if no one talks to you or something doesn't happen i mean it happened we talked i think chris grinnell and like chester Bennington, lincoln park were two guys i remember specifically everyone people were saying like they were happy i think yeah. chris Grinnell just performed a show the same night and then you know right. just one of those Where things everything happen. points to happiness they're smiling social media looks great nothing <laughs> right no signs yeah you just you don't know and that's that's what's so scary and sad about you know mental illness in general it's just it's tough and you know you hate it but it is you know we we all deal with it and to different degrees you know and it's just sad it's just it is very sad it's again because he's still i mean 68's not young but it's not it's not like you're you're you're, your deathbed hopefully like my parent my mom and stepdad are around the same age and they still are very active people. All their friends are pretty active people. Like 68 is not as old as it used to be, I would for sure. So and, right. and Tony should have still been making movies the past 10 years. Like, yes, I did love Top Gun Maverick, but part of me is still sad. It was not a Tony Scott movie as, as much as they did to, I think, a great job. Yeah, pay I mean, homage to him and how great it is. And uh, yeah, it's still it's like, oh, man, I wish he got directed. But um and all the other stuff sounds exciting to me <laughs> you know it's yeah. probably i'm sure only like two of those products would have happened that i named right, right? <laughs> like because it's hollywood um uh especially the ones with like shia labeouf I'm like i don't think that would have worked out <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that was just, that's also just kind of tied into oh these people are big right now blah 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 right that's definitely a sign of the times that it's like shia yeah. labeouf's chapter two different projects and um i don't know i would have loved very much love to see his wild bunch because i can only imagine the cast he would have assembled for that I know like oh and it's God. also it's so wild that he you know after Pelham didn't do so great that he would agree to do that again. Like, it's kind of weird that, that's just kind of cool too though in a way he's like yeah who cares I'll try it again <laughs> yeah I don't Whatever. I don't think he was concerned about like failure right. and like people someone asked him there's maybe a watchman asked him about like looking back and he's like no no I'm just always moving forward which definitely seems like him which is another thing that just makes the the suicide even more like unexplainable unexplainable i am sorry i keep my back to it but i don't know it's like he doesn't he doesn't dwell on things it sounds like and he just kind of like you know moves forward and is always doing something but um yeah but yeah it's just i i don't know i'd love to see i'll take any of those movies at this point honestly it's like i would have taken any of them like that's a sad part too it's like the series is ending because he died there's just no more tony scott movies and like it's not like oh the new one's coming out next year we'll be back you know it's like there will be no more and it's it really i've talked about it a few times but it really has bummed me out and especially reading the book it's very yeah, sad I, one of the saddest things that hit me was um brian helgelin saying that he just stopped writing that wild bunch script like he will not right. he never wrote another word on it when tony died he was like nope it's done um just the i, mean, I get that though I, I totally understand but just the sadness of like this just will never be touched or finished and like all the right. stuff it doesn't matter did. who's coming on it doesn't matter if they right. trying to do something i'm done this is yeah it. it's not like oh i'm so sad to get the wild bunch movie it's more the sadness of like you know it's just there's a finality to that like oh he's not coming back this isn't happening um all the stuff he still could have done because i guarantee he still would have been working he probably would have had to work with smaller budgets sure. um because he had 100 million dollars for unstoppable and that was pushing in 20 2009 really the studio was you yeah. kind of mentioned was really pushing back <laughs> um and it, it had to really fight and claw to make that money back. It made like 160 something worldwide, but it international, it, yeah. It didn't it didn't make it back in America alone. You know, that's the that's a wild thing with him was like it was always so good, but his movies just never very rarely performed as well as anyone wanted them to, you know, like right, right. So like, few it was every other like few movies would actually get that money back. <laughs> yeah, and he had to like I, that was a lot of things Domestic. in the book. Yeah, exactly. Like um there was a lot of scraping and crawling or clawing to get the the budget back. I read a lot. It happened. Even yeah. if the movie was really good and well received, it's just like had to fight to get that money back. He wasn't ever like, 
you know, doing like triple the budget. He wasn't, you know, so um, like they'd still make their money back, but it wasn't, of course, the studio wants like three or four times a return, I'm sure on the budget, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, very sad that this whole thing is over and uh, people keep asking me about doing more of these. And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like, I'm like, I don't know. It kind of makes it more special too if I only do this Tony Scott one and then just don't do another director series, you know, I don't know, right. but I don't know. I will listen to ideas, but I, I kind of feel like I'm just like, eh, this is kind of it. Um, I don't yeah. know. Do you, yeah. Hmm. What were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> I, I just, sorry, sorry. I just, I don't know. I might put you on the spot a little bit, but do you have any kind of big final thoughts on Tony and his career or anything like yeah. that? Or yeah. I mean, no, I've said them all, you know, I love them. <laughs> nothing big you know like we kind of hit on it even here like he was only 68 to me he was kind of still really and even in unstoppable to me he was kind of just hitting that like it was almost like he had found that perfect mix of all his later with his early style you know choices yeah holistic yeah. tendencies and whatnot and like so to me it was almost like hitting his peak right there at unstoppable you know and then ended you know like yeah. and that just, that's what makes me so sad is that because i'm just imagining wow if he hit here right here what else was left you know there's just who knows but i'm glad that it did you know his final movie is such a good one like that that that's a good thing at least it wasn't a huge failure you know like just critically you know everyone hated it it was in like i'm glad i like it <laughs> what if it was what i didn't like you know that's it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm That's okay. I know. I, I put you on the spot. It's kind of a hard thing to. <laughs> it's probably easier to sit down and have, type out if you have some time to think about it. But um, I mean, yeah, I'm probably no, gonna no. end up reading the last paragraph of the book because I can't tell my thoughts that well either. I mean, I just. Um, I yeah, he's just he's missed. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like we right. also you. Everything we could say about him, you've kind of been saying, and that's what that's really what I need to say is again, thank you for doing this series because uh -huh. that's kind of how we get to keep you know living with tony like we can go back and listen to these episodes over and over and over just like we can go back and watch his movies over and over and over so you've done a great service <laughs> i'm a goddamn hero <laughs> uh yeah oh, thank that, you even though it. i that's don't it. like ninja turtles 3 i'm glad i'm still your hero <laughs> hey, hey we don't know whether you do or do not like ninja turtles 3 officially yet okay well that will come out before this people will know my feel <laughs> okay. you're recording that before you can hear the episode but uh spoiler <laughs> alert i'm not a fan but we Oof. we got into this on Twitter. I'm sorry, we talked this on Twitter. If everyone missed it, we were just going back and forth about TMNT three, and you know maybe it's better than I gave it credit for. I don't know, but uh, that was the same day. Said I was your goddamn hero, so it's fine. I appreciate. It. <laughs> I, well, thank you very much for saying that. I hope uh, people have enjoyed it. I hope they appreciated it. Uh, I try to try to sum this up is insane, but uh, like with Tony, yeah, I just I when I when I had this idea and Mark kind of kind of put the idea out there, and I'm sad he wasn't here for this, but um, yeah, it's like he, we got two seconds of Mark, you get two words. Yeah, I got to say hello, meet him, and then boom, he was gone. <laughs> one day, one day you'll have another episode. We'll do something else, but um, but yeah, Mark when he threw this out, I was like, that's a good idea, and he's like, I'm not gonna do it. You have a podcast, you do it. And <laughs> when I looked at Tony Scott's filmography at that point, I already felt like I was a fan, but I'm like, no, he really has a lot of movies I want to talk about. That's the other problem. I look at some directors I like even, and they have movies I just have no interest in speaking about, like, because I just don't care. I think they're terrible. But I'm like, no, Tony had a great run. And I I think I put put him too much in the, oh, he's just like a pure style type guy. And then I started doing the series, and I realized there was so much more going on uh, with his stuff and just with how the empathy that he found kind of later in his career and like mm -hmm. was also really exploring the darkness in people and just like the style was always to a point yeah. of something yeah it's yeah the style's in your face but yeah you know, we've talked about that you know that behind it there's always good characters like yeah well that's gonna be subjective whatever but to <laughs> me he's always got pretty good well-written characters yeah. for the most part like not all the time not again not perfect but yeah the and there's <laughs> there's a like a, a pretty good tribute video i found on youtube the other day when i was looking that i think i will probably post uh the same day this drops that when i watch someone just put clips of his movies together kind of all together i'm like jesus christ this guy was great like it's just like so many memorable moments 
everything looks amazing i'm just like man he was good like just stuff looks so good and it just i yeah just when you watch it almost in like together you're like wow this guy made all these movies <laughs> it's like what a career that he had like again i cannot be more sad that it was cut short and the other thing too it's like listening to all his commentaries reading interviews and all the stuff like beyond just like the movies i really felt like i uh, i'm just sad as we lost a person like two kids yeah. lost their dad a wife lost her husband like uh, ridley lost his brother like on that level it hits me in a different way that before i started doing this it just was like oh we lost a really great director it's like no it's like we lost a really great person and right. i don't want people to lose sight of that because i know with director times we're like oh they did such great work it's like well, they were people and, you know, people cared about them and like, you know, they're more than their work, but that's just an important thing to remember. It's like, hey, yeah. two very young sons that it's just, it's just very sad. The whole thing is so sad, but I mean, like, not right. to end on and, a super bummer note, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, like you said, like, as a person too, we've talked about how likable he seemed and was, as far as we can tell by everyone around him, you know, like, so it is double, double whammy, you know, like, yeah, everyone lost this great person on top of you know great director on top of all this other stuff like right. he was just a good guy it seemed like you know like <laughs> watching all his interviews you can just see it like you know you, you want to keep listening to him talk forever and ever and ever <laughs> just want to like you know his, his accent everything just comes through so good. Just, <laughs> the accent like, is definitely like, good he's one of my favorite people to listen to talk about movies now like it's just like yeah. i love listening like scorsese talk about stuff and uh who else i mean but yeah tony scott now i just love him talking about making movies and all that stuff. And um, I know you probably have to go in like probably five minutes. Is that about? Yes. <laughs> okay. I do want to make sure I read this last passage from the the Tony Scott, the Larry Taylor book um, that I think some, some things up pretty well, probably better than I could put them, but <laughs> um, just really quick. So, right. okay. Uh, Tony Scott never felt stale. Scott's films had a heart somewhere inside them, often a deep and dark heart, but a heart nonetheless. Uh, he created a vast, complete world of wonderful supporting performances typically from hand-picked actors who would go on to become stars. His casting abilities from Top Gun and True Romance to Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, are the most underappreciated tool in his belt. He paid attention to the environment of his scenes. He had a vision beyond the surface. Finally, that vision is finding recognition. There may never be another Tony Scott, but thankfully, we're beginning to celebrate the fact that there once was. So... I thought <laughs> I thought that summed it up all pretty well because that's all we've been doing is celebrating him for the past 16 months of you know, this, this show. So, it's I mean, he was great. I don't know what else to say. So I know we kind of had to brush through Unstoppable really quick, but I had so much else I want to talk to you about and um, your time was limited. Yeah. And we the plan was to go on with Mark, but we lost Mark. So, yes, exactly. You know I, I was supposed fine. to be just a, a momentary guest. Now I'm the full You're guest. The full guest. So I'm like, We're just going to throw you yeah. into it. You did great again. Um, you are the no. you are tied with Lindsay for the reigning unscottable champion. You both had three appearances. You came in last minute, you got in three in the last right. four. So, um, because I, I was like, I think I said, Lindsay, no one's gonna beat you. Already got three, and we're at the end, and then um, you came in and tied her. So, there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she had the hunger, revenge, and what else? What was her third one? I got what's her other one? <laughs> Sorry, no, I'll put you on the spot. It's okay, no, because I uh, there was a third one. Um, I think, wait, did I count this wrong? She had, she had, yeah, she had, uh, oh my God. Maybe I'm sorry. She didn't, no, Take it's it okay. Back. It's okay. Cut it's this okay. Out. Maybe she didn't have a third one. I thought she uh, did. Uh, I don't know. I can't think right now. It's too, it's too, I'll go back and look and correct, <laughs> but, um, I could have sworn there was three. Um, oh, she had deja vu with Mark. That's. Oh yeah. That's right. That's okay. That one was oh. the weird one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we still. Yes. I'm still proud how much we got into that Deja Vu episode. I know it got cut off yeah. early, but we hit all the major points, I think. So Yes, you did. Which hopefully um, we did with Unstoppable. Hopefully. <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah, I know we, we did kind of go through fast. And, and, and we did say we're not going to, like, there's no, like, we're sure you can, but, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's what this podcast is really about. We're not trying to, like, do any, like, deep analytical thought, you know, pieces on right. these movies. We're just I, talking about them and how we're feeling. <laughs> just, you know, not, like. Yeah. You know, and I think the important thing, because the last episode was talk more about Tony and stuff after this movie and. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And that was, right. I, I, I do love Unstoppable. Let me make that clear again. I think everyone should go watch it. If you haven't seen it in like five, 10 years, go back and appreciate it, hopefully with fresh yeah. eyes. Um, I think it plays, it'll play better and better as years go on. People will be like, yes. wow, what a great cast. All this practical stuff they're doing. 
um, this is crazy. Like <laughs> they pulled it yeah. off. So um, you kind of hit on something there. I think that as more time passes, people are realizing, Hey, we don't get stuff like this. You know, like uh, they just did that double feature at the new Beverly, you know, with speed and unstoppable. And oh, like, that's my like gosh. the perfect double feature. I want to be there like, so yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just like, you realize, yeah, these movies don't exist to, for the most part. Right. Like, and, right, right. Yeah. It's just go watch it. <laughs> just go watch it if you have it it's really great um i wish we had more movies from tony but i'll take yeah. the 16 we got because i in one way or another and another can appreciate something in every one of them and i love really most of them at this point so yeah, yeah. Um, i was gonna say i still haven't watched i even got his some of his early work you know pre-hollywood work oh, uh -huh. and stuff i haven't watched those yet but i'm going to i'll, I'll be sure and tell everyone <laughs> post about it on twitter yeah. um yeah. Oh, oh, the only other thing. oh sorry oh, go ahead sorry no, no go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say the only other thing about uh i would just real quick shout out uh unstoppable premiered on the day of another movie who we're friends with oh. who is a host of another podcast skyline oh okay yes wow. mr liam o'donnell <laughs> who i know is a fellow tony scott fan yes so. he is appreciate him for yes. you know i'm sorry that your movie had to go up against unstoppable but hey it, they, they, <laughs> unstoppable didn't even premiere at number one it was number yeah two. mastermind that animated movie that i don't yeah. hear anyone talk about anymore number one. <laughs> like, yeah but styling was number four so it was right there with tony i mean hey oh, there boom. you go that's crazy i didn't know that's a good point i'm glad you brought that up yeah good job liam <laughs> glad you brought that up um uh last thing i think the only message i took from unstoppable this time and it, it might be kind of more of a post-covid thing too mm -hmm. was that kevin dunn being this like corporate guy valuing property over people mm -hmm. <laughs> and profit and property over people i was like oh that rings true doesn't it <laughs> and, like, yeah, yeah. we're in this i was like well that's still a very very relevant message about like corporate guys like how do we bottom line is most important like you know that yeah. kind of thing i was like well that's one thing but otherwise it's really just a it's an out of control I, train I, movie I think, it's a, yeah i called it a monster movie the other day I, you know i was kind of joking but it, it is you know, I, <laughs> It it's reminds a, people of Jaws, you know, like the train is called it a disaster movie that avoids a disaster. <laughs> yes, true, because we avoid the major disaster of the train going off in a town and spraying chemicals everywhere and all that kind of stuff. But um, you feel like you're constantly on the edge of disaster, though. It's like, I mean, a tram gets derailed and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that horse trailer, I was like, it's just like everything from the book. Or where almost like, it's run over. It's like, what can we do to add the stakes? Oh, get a horse trailer stuck on the tracks. Got it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just. I love that keeps upping the stakes and all this stuff. Right. And, and I know some people might have an issue with that too. You know, like it's just too much. Like, oh, come on, this is getting unrealistic. But again, hey, that's what this movie is. And, you know, it's not, if you're yeah, not on board. Based board, on a true story. Know. And what I read about the true story it doesn't sound like this is. Right. They added a couple of those things in there. But other than that, this almost exact same thing happened. Yeah. Of course they heightened it, obviously. But yeah, it's like, right. but it's still like, the, especially the how it happened is very much how it happened. It sounds like the, the guy trying to switch the track and, um falling over do you feel a little bit bad for him <laughs> in that or is he just an idiot um oh god what's his uh, name i mean ethan supply I, I feel bad for him because he just looks like oh man i fucked up like he knows he fucked up so um yeah. but yeah i feel a little bad but still like oh you're you're an idiot but yeah it's like so um well i, I know you have to go so i uh, thank it's you right. apparently i'm still good for now i mean i, I got maybe one more minute <laughs> okay well let's wrap up yeah. really quick um uh, well, thanks to Mark for this idea. I wish he was here yes, the whole time, but Mark. it's okay. Um, thank you, James. I don't know for... if you got it in there, but he was trying to say that I, I don't know you're going to put any of that biggest Tony Scott fan stuff. <laughs> he tried to say I was actually the biggest Tony Scott oh, fan. Oh, I'm going to leave. I, I don't plan to edit any of that out. I'm like, whatever. Okay. Pull the curtain back. This is like, <laughs> you know what? We, yeah. We're not going to use any tricks around here. This is like on softball. It's all done practically. I'm not going to edit anything. <laughs> like, Tony um, is for everyone. It's yeah. Tony <laughs> everyone there's Clint. tony's tony's for everyone i'm leave. i want people to know that mark was supposed to be here and they can hear how this happened like that was not <laughs> like mark and i probably gone for like two more hours when you had to leave but um i'm glad you could because now if mark had had if the computer died and you weren't here uh, there would have been no episode so thank you james so much for doing yeah, this no problem no problem no problem you you're my goddamn hero you saved the day <laughs> yeah. no you're my goddamn hero yeah. <laughs> um well thank you everyone for listening uh we'll be back i'm gonna take a couple weeks off i think and then drop an episode yes. i'll be at the end you of august it. thank you thank you <laughs> it's like um 
I don't remember which one it'll be. And then I'll probably take a very like light schedule in September because I want to get some stuff done before for October or kind of ahead of schedule because it's going to be a crazy month or two. So, um, but yeah, so a couple weeks off. We'll be back though. And um, hope you all enjoyed the series. Please go watch Tony Scott movie, especially if you're listening to Stay Of. You know, just celebrate the man's work and his life. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. So um, great you stuff. So remembrance tweets as well I'm, as I, yes i'm sure you and i will be out there tweeting <laughs> probably a bunch all day so um but yeah it's i mean it's a it's a sad day but i just want to like celebrate him and i figured this is the best right. way to do it so um be so watching yeah. his movies all day that day so there, there you go so um james anything you want to say or plug or anything nothing to plug i don't okay. do anything uh tj underscore m-a-c-k-e-y four three two uh, I got a letterbox too, but I don't really do anything there. Just it's more of a diary for my memory. So I know, that's uh, how mine is. I, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I gave up on reviews a long time ago when I started doing yeah. the podcast because I'm like I can just talk about here instead of having to write it out. So yeah. uh, people are like you never write reviews. I'm like I have a podcast. You can talk about it there. Yeah, so, I just um, I, I feel like sometimes I I'm just getting old and I what am I keeping track of what I'm watching for? I don't know. Because if oh, I don't remember, I watched yeah. it. Did I watch it? I don't know. That's true. But I, so many times I log something, I go, I watched this? When did I watch this? Like, I don't exactly. even remember. Um, but anyway, yeah, for our stuff, uh, really quick, the usual, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Film Feast Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Maplet87. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast, all one word. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. No, I'm never going to get an Oscar. You know, I think, you know, I'm just sort of, I'm not even on the, I'm not even on the radar. Yeah, because I think my style or how I began, I think I've, ta I've tarnished my slate way too early with hunger. You know, that's my first movie. So I'm sort of dismissed. So Tony Scott. <laughs> so, but Ridley did good. He did good. He really, he broke the mold with Gladiator. Yeah, but, um, but I'm not, I'm sort of dismissed. I've been sort of, um, I've been scrubbed off the list. What really interests me is, as I say, most of all, is getting, is getting me feeling good about what I've done and me um, and the people that I work with feeling good about what I've done. So my family, I mean, my, my family and, and, and the board scope, my crew, I work with the same crew now for, God, 15, 20 years, you know, and it's, that's what I call my indirect family. I want to I wanna, I wanna feel, feel good in that family community.